Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I'm here with Anthony from Champions Way Training in Mississippi. What's up, Anthony? How are you today? I am doing absolutely wonderful. It's a little cold outside. Other than that, I'm good. I've heard that lately. Yeah, I, I talked to somebody in Florida yesterday, and he said it was like 32 degrees. He was in a hat and a coat. Yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not normal for us. We're, uh, I understand where he's coming from. Right, yeah, absolutely. I know. I'm, I'm up in Rhode Island, so it was 35 for us the other day, and it felt warm. So no, <laughs> you're just no, not used to it, though. <laughs> All right, cool. So glad to have you here. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, let's jump right into the details here. What is it that made you want to own your own gym initially? How did you get started? Uh, well, for me, uh, kind of the long story short, I actually started out wanting to be a strength coach. That's what I went to school for. And then after that, just had an internship that turned into a job. And then I was planning to go back and get my master's degree. And that just, you know, anything about college athletics, ch coaches change, mm -hmm. you know, daily, essentially almost. But anyway, so that uh, kind of opened the door for me to uh, get into personal training and just using the degree that I had. And then it just started going really well. Is at a big box gym and then it began to branch out on my own. And that started to go really well, too. And then that opportunity opened up into what I am doing currently now is me having my own. Uh, facility on gym awesome. so it's just kind of thing after another right cool so now within the facility currently how are you structuring things as far as your business model goes are we doing group classes semi-privates one-on-ones what does that look like so it started out definitely large group training with where i was located because we had a ton of space like a mm -hmm. lot a lot of space and then when i i moved closer to home to a much smaller facility, which is now just 1,500 square feet. So really now just doing small group training because it's just simply that's not enough room for 15, 16 plus people. Right. So now they're like averaging now between seven or somewhere in seven and 10, somewhere in there. Got it. Okay. So and go ahead. I was just saying definitely small group now for sure. Right. Okay. Now, how many members are you currently serving within the facility? Currently, I have 61, to be exact, 61. 61, okay. And is that different from your numbers before COVID? Are we kind of back to where we were? Were we able to maintain most of the membership? How did that look for you? Well, pre-COVID, uh, I was in a city about 30 miles away, and we were doing pretty good, but this is before gym launch. So although I had a lot of people, I had like 180 people, but I wasn't charging near what I should have been charging for the value that I was providing. Right. So those numbers were like 100, 180 members is where I was at. Then COVID hit, then the pauses and the cancellations, and then it dropped down, I think, 139. And then when I moved uh, about 30 miles to where I am now, closer to home, and it, it started out okay. I mean, I think I still had about 22 people, and then it got up to about 100. And now it's back down to about, because, uh, you know, the, the cycle of COVID now. And so it's about 61 now. Okay. All right. So something that you touched on there, the 
value and what you were charging for what you were providing. So this is something that a lot of personal trainers, a lot of gym owners really struggle with is what they should be charging for the services that they're providing. And a lot of times we're afraid to charge what we're worth because we're afraid that people won't pay those rates. And it kind of becomes a game of volume and getting as many people in the door to make up for that rather than charging a higher rate and having less clients. Mm-hmm. But when we charge those higher rates and we have less clients, we're actually able to provide them a higher level of service than Absolutely. we are to, you know, say we have 200 clients at a lower rate or we have 75 clients at a higher rate, you know, the level of service that you're able to provide those 75 clients is so much higher than you would be able to provide 200 people with. Um, So talk about that a little bit. How did that kind of transition go for you and work for you? Were you one of those people that was really afraid to make that change initially? And kind of how has it played out for you? I would definitely echo the same thing. And for anybody that hears this is like, I feel like everybody goes through it to an extent. Because when I first, first started, I came from a big box, you know, which was the equivalent of, of like what would be a Planet Fitness or something like that. And um, it was, I think the personal training was $240. And of course, I didn't know anything about sales. And so you get a bunch of no's and you don't know why. And so right. I, I left, I said, uh, you know what? I don't want to charge that much. I'm going to be reasonable and affordable. So I only charge 175 and then the gentleman there who was kind of my mentor at the time, he said, man, you ain't charging enough. He said it just like, <laughs> said it just like that. And uh, I didn't listen. Well, I, I did. I bumped it up a little bit, but not near to what it should have been. And then uh, when I left there to the situation, when I had my own, I started out, I think it was um, 150 is what it was. And again, and even then, I was getting a lot of no's, a lot of no's and said, okay. And I, uh, I said, I'm gonna bump it down to 120. Terrible idea. Terrible mm. idea. I know now it was actually my sister, my younger sister who told me, Anthony, you need to charge more. Well, her being my younger sister, you fill in the blank. You know, I didn't, I didn't listen. Yeah. And so, uh, and then of course the inevitable happened where you start the volume of people to hire a good qualified people, you start outpacing what you can actually pre, pre, give value to. Yes. And so getting at 180 people, yeah, we had a bunch of people show up to workouts, but you can't hold that many people accountable. You can't answer their questions. You can't, you can't do billing. You can't hire somebody to do billing. And so you're running 90 miles an hour trying to do it all because you can't afford to. Right. And, so, uh, and that's exactly what happened. I was underpaying trainers because the amount of volume and time that they were doing, they were unhappy. They want more pay because they're doing more work. And it's just an endless cycle. And so uh, that was a huge headache. And then uh, running into the gym launch, I started to understand pricing and structure and things like that. And so uh, now I charge a whole lot more mm-hmm. for just a basic level of service. And people do pay attention more. They do yes. uh, to, to $49 a week plus. And so that's what I currently charge now for, you know, my pricing 49 and 99. And even actually with, even before this working on the offer to charge even more than that, uh, right. upwards of 500 a week. And because I understand I can give exceptional value to that person without uh, me trying to bend over backwards mm-hmm. and trying to 
I don't need them. I, Alex said something. He said uh, on a book that I his, that he wrote recently. I don't need the most clients. I'm trying to make the most money. Mm-hmm. And that was the at back then. It was I want 200 clients, 200 clients. That was I was fixed on that. But a change of mindset is if I actually had all the clients that I actually wanted, what would be my mindset then? Is to provide as much value as I possibly could. Exactly. So that's where my is shifted now. I don't need the most clients. I don't need 500 clients. That's not my. I mean, it'd be great. Nothing wrong with that, but that's not my mindset. If I can provide value, that's what truly transforms a person's life is providing value to them. And then right. they can spend time with their kids, family, et cetera. So that's more important to me now. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something, like I said, that so many people struggle with is raising those prices or charging what they're worth. And then they get into that cycle. Like you said, where, you know, it's, you have a lot of clients, you can't really, you can't hold them accountable. They're maybe not really paying attention as much because people who pay, pay attention. It's true. You go where your money goes. If you're invested in something financially, chances are you're going to pay attention to it. And, you know, that's how you really help people change their lives and get to the goals that they're looking to get to because you need them to be invested and your time is worth that. So keeping that in mind. And then also, you know, you came from a big box facility, so everybody wants to compete with big box facilities, but we've got to keep in mind that we are not big box facilities and do not need to compete with them because your avatar, the people that you're serving want a different product than what those big box gyms offer. So keeping that in mind is important too, because we kind of get into this idea of providing the most value, but charging the lowest price, which is very bad for business. No question. And I would even add to that, uh, the thing that I'm, at least for me, and I would imagine that many others, is as the face of a business, which I'm sure many people in a boutique or something like that are, you want to be well-liked, you want to be looked at in a positive manner. Nobody wants a negative review on social media or Google reviews. And I can understand that. And that's kind of what my mindset was when I did not, because it was a small town where I was. And it's those kind of things travel fast, of course. Mm -hmm. And you don't want people talking bad about you. So you're afraid to raise the price. And and so, and then when you do, you're afraid of what are they going to say? What are they going to think? And sure enough, I went through some of that. You know, people, they call you, but they don't know your situation. They don't know where you came from. Uh, Like, you know, I actually had one person say, uh, you know, I was all about the money. And they did, had no idea that you're a year later, but my wife would be pregnant and wouldn't be able to work. And see, they, right. they don't know. They, no. they don't know. But mo- if anybody was in that situation, they'd probably make the same decision. So uh, that's one thing I had to get over and understand is as much as you want people to look at you in a positive light, they're going to sometimes form their own opinions without having all the information. And once I was really able to get past that, uh, it made it easier, uh, especially now, to make these type of decisions on raising price mm-hmm. um, to provide more value. So it's not something that I worry about too much anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's just a, a shift of perspective and you can't control what other people think about you. you right. You and 
they gonna say exactly exactly <laughs> and and being able to get past that and um you know really serve the people that are at your facility the people that do want to be there provide that highest level of service to them i mean at the end of the day that's what is important and Absolutely. So now, as far as acquiring new clients goes, how are you getting new people in the door? What does your marketing look like? Are we doing paid advertising through Facebook, Instagram, Google, any of those things? Uh, mostly word of mouth, referrals. How does that look? That's for me currently. We're, actually, that's literally what I'm working on now because I was, when I kind of first started with Jim, I had zero sales process. Mm -hmm. So I tried to build my skill up with that, of course. And then once I got better at that, now my attention has shifted to the actual acquiring of the clients. And so Jim Lodge, of course, they ran some of my ads for me, did really well with that. Uh, as far as the volume, and again, I had not uh, practiced my, I'm just be honest, and not practiced my sales skill enough to where they needed to be to close the percentage that I should. So I'm, I just own that. I, mm -hmm. I admit that. Um, so now, uh, and again, and just reading another book of Alex's, the hundred million dollar offer, mm -hmm. I did not realize how important just having offer was. Yeah. And so currently working on to actually, cause I really had nothing to market. So all my marketing has just been word of mouth, primarily, mm -hmm. uh, Facebook, social media posts that I'm doing it, and people ask inquiring, uh, referrals. I'd say really those have been my top three referrals, social media posts, uh, no official ads. I really didn't spend any money, particularly on like an actual ad ad per se. I think I did one when I first opened uh, at the location that I that I am now. And and it, and it I had, uh, and I didn't spend much. I mean, it's like a hundred bucks and I got three people and I closed one at uh, $99 a week. And okay. so, but that was up until, I mean, this was like last May. Yeah. So, other than, other than no, that's really been how I've been, uh, been my marketing per se up to this point. But now, um, like I said, that's what I'm actually doing is getting my offer together to actually run a campaign on social media, on Google, et cetera, to run that. Because I know that uh, if I can get to, I don't need, I don't need to close a hundred people. If I just close five at an exceptional price point, that's, I'm good with that. So, right. I know I can't answer more to your question. I apologize. That's okay. No worries. So uh, the piece that I do want to talk about is the, the sales process and just sales in general, because this is another thing. And you even openly admitted that you hadn't spent enough time within mm -hmm. sales or within the sales process to be closing as many memberships mm -hmm. as you could have. So I also think, you know, along with kind of being afraid of the price raising in general across the board, a lot of gym owners and personal trainers are afraid of sales. They don't mm -hmm. like the word itself, sales. Like they don't want to sound salesy. They don't want to come across salesy. So they don't really focus any attention on learning sales mm -hmm. and what that looks like uh in the process and a lot of times get into a situation where they don't have enough memberships or they don't right. have enough clients and it becomes really hard to acquire them just because they don't have any sales experience you know at the end of the day it is a business so you do need to make sales in order to keep your doors open so how did that work for you um how did you go about learning sales and um was that something initially that you were a little bit uncomfortable with? 
Um, well, to answer that question is, I wouldn't say uncomfortable with it. I just, I just genuinely didn't know. Yeah. And so okay. it was just based off of what I had learned at Big Box, Big Box mm -hmm. and with the other gym that I was at when I first started out to the well. So that, that was really just all that I, all that I knew. Mm -hmm. And so to have, uh, a process with gym launch that made things a whole lot better but then what I realized is is because I had bumped the price I had to have the confidence to actually believe in the price that I was changing because it was yes. higher than previously right. and so but then through so the process for me came from just volume and just doing it over and over and over and over again uh, there was some time that I spent in different mornings. I won't say I did it every single day. I'm not going to sit here and lie, but I did do it at different times. I'd say at least once or twice a week, sometimes three times or more, but uh, just, just running through my script, running through my script, learning how to talk to people uh, and really just, and really listen. And then as of late now, I'd say really where it's just clicked. And I think Alex said this is where you can almost, I guess for me, and I don't know if people can relate to this or not, I learned to stop just, I mean, yes, have a script, have a structure, but it's almost like for me, it's like, you're really talking to a person's soul, not just their face. <laughs> right. That, yes. Soul is where their emotions are. Yes. And so their feelings are, and those are the things that they're embarrassed about. I can't put on my clothes like I want to. I'm struggling with this. I have bad memories about. And so learning to that, I believe that's come one as a result of volume and just listening to other people that do it well, I say those are the top two things that my process has been up to this point. And now, uh, regardless of what the price is, uh, I feel pretty confident of, you know, of, of truly doing it. And then my closing percentage has gone about as a result of that too is now, like now, and I know most of them are referrals too as well. So I know that there's a higher trust factor, but still closing at 50, 60, uh, sometimes 70% at different months of the people that come out again, that's not a high volume, but at the same time with the people, the opportunities that I do have, I close them. So right. uh, that's something that I, has definitely tremendously helped just knowing, being confident in my sales process and just being able to truly listen to what their problems are. Right. Yeah. Because that's something that's so much. Yeah. So important to keep in mind is I used to always tell the staff, just have a conversation with the person that's all you're doing yes and that's how like you said you touched on the emotion piece you know people buy with their emotions usually mm -hmm. there's some type of emotional trigger that makes them want to make a change and mm -hmm. if you're able to really dive in really have a conversation with them really identify that problem that they're looking to solve you have the solution Right. Mm -hmm. So they come to you as the authority looking for you to solve their problem. So your job is to identify that problem, bring it to the surface and make them want to make that change. And again, you have the solution. And that's something that's really important to keep in mind as well within the sales process is that one, people come in the door for a reason. Mm -hmm. They are looking for you to solve their problem. Basically, when you're having a conversation with them initially, it's almost like they're just kind of vetting you to see if you can solve their problem. So if you're able to just have a conversation with them, get down to what the real reason is that they walked into the door and then be able to provide that solution, you know, it's simple. And 
as far as sales goes, keeping in mind that you're providing a service, you know, and mm -hmm. people have to pay for that. That's the way that it works. Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of the actual sale itself. Think more about solving the problem that they have. And remember right. that it came to you for a reason. I 100% agree. I 100% agree. And that's just, I guess, and that for me uh, started with just a mindset shift. Yes. Uh, being able to is like, uh, like I knew I wanted to help people, which I genuinely believe everybody that has a facility does. They, they want to help people in some way, shape, form or fashion. Uh, my brother-in-law said, said this, he's a car salesman. I want to help you, but I don't want to help you for free either. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and, and that's true because you still have a family to feed. I still have, exactly. I got on the way now. And that, those, that changes when you, you know, like, I don't know anybody that has children. This is my first one. It might, I mean, just something clicks when, when kids come to picture, cause it's bigger than you now. Yes. It's your husband or your wife or your, I mean, it's, it's and so that, it, it drives you in a different type of way. And so you can't be afraid of understanding that one day I'm going to have to provide shelter, food, water, housing for someone else besides myself. And mm -hmm. if nothing else, that should give me some type of confidence or boost in being able to have this conversation with another person who I can also provide value to their lives as well. Exactly. So it's just an exchange. It's, it's all it is. Given it shall be given. So Yes. Yes, absolutely. I love that. And, and, you know, sales itself, you said it, it's an exchange. It is in more ways than one, you know, sales are a transference of belief. So if you really believe in the product that you're selling, it's simple, you know, again, it comes back to solving their problem. And if you're very convicted in your program and what you offer, it's so easy at the end of the day. And that's, I'll say one more thing. That's one thing I did struggle with too, which has kind of helped me and being able to truly understand my offer mm -hmm. uh, that I'll tell is you're, when you're able to know what your, your actual service is, the value that you provide, it makes it a whole lot easier to be confident in it. Like I have five things listed here in front of me that truly now knowing what I'm selling, I know exactly how to listen more now in a conversation say, Hey, Oh, you don't, you don't know how to make, you know how to find time to work out. Cool. How about this? I'll actually plan your week for you. So you don't even have to think about it. Right. That's valuable to a person that says, Oh, I'd have, and it, it makes more sense now. Yes. So, uh, oh, it's, it's all about that's too as well. You know, and having that sales process, do you actually know what your value or product is or service yeah. is? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Getting uh, very specific as far as defining your program and, and making sure that you are 100% behind it, comfortable with it, what it is that you're offering, making sure you're providing that highest level of service. And then if your conviction is super high, the sale is super easy. So yep. now, obviously, this time of year is big for goals and planning for mm -hmm the year to come. So what do your goals for 2022 look like within the business? Where are you focusing most of your attention for this year? Oh, I say my big goal is to hit that million dollar a year. That's my, my, my large goal, shrinking that down. Of course, the average that's about 84,000 a month. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my big number one of getting there is to have a solid offer. That's, and so I'd say just, that's my first thing is, and, um, that's what I've been working on for what's today, the 20, 20, so for the first several weeks of this, of this year is just getting my offer down 
and then using that, using the client acquisition process, you charge high take part of it, and then you you use that to advertise, et cetera, et cetera. So that's right. that's uh, the the kind of the mentality that I have as far as million dollar eighty four k a month, and to get that first real offer off the ground and use that to really spark the the rest of it. Right. Absolutely. So looking to get to that eighty four k a month mark to. Mm to get to that million dollar run rate. Awesome, love that. So now one thing that I always love to ask every gym owner that I speak with is if you could provide a piece of advice and we have here kind of along the way, many pieces of advice, but to somebody who is considering opening their own facility, what is kind of the number one thing for you that really sticks out? Um, you genuinely have to have um, uh, a passion for people because, I mean, there's many times, I mean, I enjoy what I do. Don't get me wrong. But there's many times that I've questioned it, which I think anybody has at some point is questioned. Am I doing the right thing? Do I really love this? Uh, and for me, it just, you know, sometimes that's getting up 2 and 3 a.m. in the morning sometimes. So being willing to do, to go above and beyond what everybody else is doing. Like the stuff I have written down here, I know for a fact nobody else in my area is doing. I know that. I've lived right. here my whole life. I know that. So my piece of advice it would be to one truly have a passion for helping people outside in, in, uh, out spiritually, mentally, physically, that'd be my number one piece. And my second piece is to truly just have courage because it takes courage to raise your price. Yes. It takes courage to raise your price. It takes courage to know that somebody, when you raise their price, is going to talk bad about you because they don't know you or where you came from. Mm -hmm. That's, it takes courage to do that. So right. those would be just help people inside and out and have courage to do all the other things when you, and I feel like when you put at least those two things together, the rest is going to take time. It's going to take hard work. You're going to get it wrong. But at some point in time, the, the, the dom the last domino is going to tilt and things will start to change. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Not being afraid to, to take the leap, you know, when you, mm -hmm. when you right. think it's necessary. Um, yeah, absolutely. That, that can be a game changer within the business. And that's why a lot of people are kind of held back a lot of the time and never take that afraid. step because they're afraid. And then, you know, you never really experience the potential there just because of the fear. Mm -hmm. So awesome. All right. Perfect. So as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? On social media, my uh, business page, just Champions Weight Training. On social media, on uh, Instagram and Facebook, just Champions Weight Training. And then my personal is just I am Anthony Payton on, on Instagram. All Real right. simple. Payton. So. <laughs> Perfect. Super straightforward. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So Anthony from Champions Weight Training in Mississippi, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Hope it helps somebody. Yes, absolutely. And to all of the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you will be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there. We'll catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer and make more money, Head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. 
You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show, Mr. Noah Rain with Unified coming to you from Avon, Ohio. Noah, what's going on, man? How are you today? Doing well, doing well, Joe. How about yourself? I am doing very well. I'm excited to dive into this. I'm excited to pick your brain. Noah and I were chopping it up a little bit before getting into this interview, and you are no newbie when it comes to the gym ownership realm. Telling me about a couple of different businesses that you've owned over the years, but we're here to talk about unified right and so Noah give us an idea take us back a handful of years ago what was going through your brain hey I have this new idea for a gym I'm going to open it up take us to that moment and and walk us through kind of your thought process with how this gym came to be oh yeah well I I started off as just a trainer um like a lot of gym owners and uh you know from there just working with people and getting to know the ins and outs of the gym uh, you start to see what, you know, the behind the scenes and what, what could be better, what could be improved and what's going wrong and really get some customer feedback, like what they want. Um, and a lot of the gyms that I was working at, they just weren't offering that. And so I wanted to set myself apart. I wanted to be more than just a trainer. Um, I wanted to gain all the knowledge that I could and, you know, be known as one of the best gyms around. Um, that's just, that's just was my mentality and not only having the best gym, but creating the best results and changing lives for people and impacting the community. And, um, so I, I may have took a, a harder route, but I, um, you know, was lucky enough to have some investors who helped me in the beginning and, um, you know, get that first brick and mortar up and going. And, um, it was, it was one of the best decisions I ever made. I actually left a toxic environment for something that I was able to create my own and uh, build a team of my own. And um, yeah, it was really, it's, it's just been a really rewarding journey so far, but for nothing sure. easy about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this that can connect with that and, and resonate with that. It's been an amazing journey, but definitely not easy. Noah, Talk to us about the business and as it stands now, right? What is, what is the, the, the offering? What do we actually service? How do we service our clients? Yeah. Yeah. The business we're running now is a mixture of fitness, nutrition, and accountability. Um, we service one-on-one clients and, you know, see them as, as often as we can be available for them, but give them a, you know, a full plan that they can follow uh, so that way, you know, a lot of, a lot of gyms only take care of you when you're in the gym. We try to give you a plan for, you know, the rest of the 90% of your week too. So yeah. um, there's more hours than that, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that's important to creating a community outside of that gym time. Um, that way they're not just relying on you, uh, when they see you. Um, but we really just put our clients first, put customer care first, um, and our systems and processes uh, tend to get people great results. So we focus yep. on building muscle, burning fat, getting people moving better, building a strong foundation, um, 
and really preaching what's sustainable in the long term, not not taking on clients for less than three or four months. Uh, we do try to do higher ticket, longer term, you know, packages that really, really help people change their lifestyle habits and get the results that they're looking for and, you know, are willing to work hard for. Yeah. And, and more focused on the quality over quantity, right? There's any number of ways in the fitness industry that we can just pour bodies through the doors, trying to get as many people as we can, but you guys are taking a more individualized, tailored approach and focusing on the coaching aspect and really developing and getting results for your clients. Walk us through the the pricing behind that and why, because their fitness is such a wide range of options and you can really go any number of directions when it comes to what you actually charge. How do you package that to your clients? Yeah. Um, so a ballpark would be our three, six, nine or 12 month program. Um, one-on-one training broken down into one session. We, we don't sell sessions really, but if you, if you break it down into visits, it, it's anywhere from 50 to 65 per visit. Okay. Um, obviously if a client wants to come in three times a week versus one time a week, um, it's a little more, uh, cost efficient. So, um, you're, you're looking around 150 a week for, uh, three sessions or, um, that, you know, th- there's different tiers. So if you want to include, um, nutrition accountability on top of that, um, we also, you know, sure. the, have add that tier in there too. So, um, our average rate per member, um, or average rate per month per client, um, is, is our sweet spots around 300 to 320. Sure. Um, just to give you a, a little Bit of yeah, there. no, that's that's tremendously helpful, and it and it leads us really well into how we find those people, right? Because it's a little bit more affluent of a demographic. We need to find people who have at least three hundred dollars of disposable income to be able to assign towards this. Talk to us about about marketing and what that means for you guys. How have you historically gotten people in to join this? Mm. Uh, great question. That's honestly, uh, you know, in the circle of things you got to do for business lead gen and marketing, um, for a small studio like us is, has been the biggest challenge. Um, you know, we, we try, uh, Facebook outreach and Instagram outreach, but also, uh, we participate in local, um, newsletters and direct mailers in our neighborhood. Um, that target specific housing and specific families. Um, we try to sponsor sporting events, you know, local 5Ks. Um, the more uh, present, you know, me and the fellow coaches are on social media and just in our in our city here, our neighborhood, our town, um, we, we are our greatest marketing tools. Um, right. And so uh, the more consistent we are, you know, we just believe the, the right people, you know, come about, but, um, so it's a mixture of, uh, outreach lead gen, but also, um, just marketing as best as we can to our niche, you know, with, with our uh, yeah. social media pages. Yeah. It has to take a little bit different of an approach from the typical $10 a month 
gym goer. That's not the person that we're looking for. And it's a waste of your time and theirs if that's who we're bringing into the facility. And so you mentioned social media being huge for you. I think, I mean, if, if we're being honest with ourselves, people looking for a gym, they're going to go one of a handful of places and it's Facebook, it's Instagram, and probably Google as well. And if we're not active on those things, to your point, they're probably going to go somewhere else. They're going to find some other option. And so mm-hmm. I really appreciate your mentality of the more active we are on those things, the better the end result has been for the business, right? It's a pretty direct correlation there. Yeah. How do you plan to to take advantage of that and kind of put it into action? Because we can't focus our entire day exclusively being on social media. At some point we need to coach. At some point we need to actually service and fulfill on the product. How do you guys put that into action? Yeah. Uh, well, we do have a business coach um, who helps us with that. But one thing that we learned um, in trying to get out of the tinkering phase, right, is a trainer and a coach can only be, you know, you only have so many hours in a day to right. get to other people and right. to do so many tasks. Um, you know, there's some weeks where I'm still the trainer who's opens and closes the gym and mops the floors. Yeah. Uh, but what I've learned is to offer CEO slash other. janitor, right? Oh yeah. You, yeah. Everything <laughs> you got to yep. do what you got to do, but, um, what we're learning and what, what, um, we're trying to do is hire, you know, a greater team, to offload some of that work. So hiring a social media outreach coordinator, hiring, um, you know, somebody who can handle more, you know, closing calls or, um, you know, that, that allows us to have more time to focus on implementing our marketing plan um, or, you know, client delivery, client programming. Um, So offloading some of the work that, that can be um, done by somebody who's better at it, which allows, us to have more free time to focus on what we're good at, what we're passionate about. Um, right. That's our action plan for right now. <laughs> yeah. And, and delegation is huge, right? Especially for, for small businesses like this, the more you can take off your plate that isn't exactly in your wheelhouse, right? It's not a skill set that we've taken the time to develop. Probably the better end result and the better things are going to flow all the way through the process. Um, you mentioned one thing there that I wanted to, to dig into a little bit and ask about, and it was people that can close. When you guys get leads now, walk me through the typical sales process. What happens from that lead coming in to somebody converting into a paid client? What's, what is the in-between there? Sure, yeah. Um, typically, if we get um, you know a prospect who's either open to hopping on a call or they're, they're local and they're ready to come into the gym. Um, we either do a set call, like a meet and greet call, um, which is just a 10 to 15 minute get to know you call to see if it's a good fit um, or to answer any immediate questions they might have. Um, a lot of people in the town we live in specifically are um, not upper middle class, but like older too. And they're still worried about the pandemic. And so we sort of use that call to explain, you know, why our, why our gym is, you know, going to be a good fit for you, why it's different than the bigger box gyms and how we control the traffic. And it's just you and a trainer in there, and you know, how clean we keep it. And we really try to um, not, not sell them on the results yet, but 
but be be opening enough and and welcoming them into the environment to to invite them in for their first assessment. Um, so I typically take most of those calls uh, to see if it's a good fit right now. But um, you know, e even just being that, uh, well, I don't want to go off topic too much. Uh, sure. to, to reiterate though, but that that's pretty much our our process. There is, um, you know, I, we have a set list of questions. I don't like to call it a script, but we have a set list of questions that help us um, filter whether that, that client's going to be a good fit or whether they're willing to invest in their health and fitness goals or not. Yeah, um, things like that. Yeah, and and to your point, this is more diagnostic than pushy, right? I need to figure out what this person sitting across from me is actually looking to do before I figure out what the solution is, right? And, and fitness itself has gotten this really bad rap of trying to push the most expensive option on people, trying to just used car salesy their way through the process. It sounds like you guys are almost taking the opposite approach of that and figuring out how can we best serve this person? Is that about right? Yeah, yeah, just offering above and beyond, you know, good service that, um, you know, gets people to, from A to B a little bit more efficiently than they would on their own. And yeah. um, that that helps us filter out the process for sure. Yeah, no, it, it's funny because I have this conversation all the time and, and inevitably it comes up, you can have the best marketing, the best sales process or salespeople in the world, but if the product isn't worth its salt, people are going to notice, right? We, we've really refined our ability to detect shysty products. And if you're not actually getting people results at the end of the day, it's going to show in what we, we refer to as churn or retention, right? Typically this sort of model has a little bit better retention than the $10 fitness that we talked about earlier. Is retention something that you guys track or, or measure internally? Yeah, we do have about a like an eighty-five to ninety percent retention yep. rate um, sure. for sure. It, cool. It's just easier to well, not easier. It's you have to take way less steps to retain a client than it takes to get a new client. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Our current clients are a far better source for new revenue than trying to get new people through the door. But if we're to take a step back with, with those kind of things in mind, right? If we're to look at our business as a funnel, right? Lead generation is way up at the top, our sales process and how many people we convert in the middle and then down at the bottom is our retention. Where do you think that you guys have the biggest opportunity here? Hmm. I mean, Lead gen is definitely the, um, it's not unlimited, but it's, it's something that's always ongoing and sure. never, never stops. So I think that, yeah, I'll always have the biggest, um, opportunity, but we do have a pretty good referral program too, that we try to implement okay, um, and give our current clients incentives, um, for telling, you know, sharing yeah. people, you know, uh, whether that's just a type form link or whether that's, you know, word of mouth. Um, th those tend to be the right people. Um, yeah. More so. That's a good point. Focus on Quality is a factor here as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Word of mouth referrals is, is of course a mainstay in 
acquisition in our industry and it should be right these are typically free leads probably a fairly easy sales process because they know who we are they like us and they trust us because of their third-party referral mm -hmm. and to your point it's probably a, a higher quality client in the long run and specifically to add a fourth piece to that in your model people that have the money to afford personal training know other people that have the money to afford personal training and so it's kind of a, a natural bridge there and and so for you guys just kind of opening up the top of that funnel right getting more potential eyeballs interested in knowing about the business is going to result in a better outcome in the end Noah, I want to I want to look towards the future. Obviously, this whole conversation has been about growth and, and improving the business as a whole. Paint yeah. me a picture of where the business is trending, right? What's the, what's the vision for you as we move forward? Uh, the vision is just heading towards growth, uh, more revenue. Um, I mean, we want to be consistently having, you know, 30, 40 K months. Um, we, we want to fill up all of our, you know, current coaches rosters and, you know, hire more assistant coaches. Um, sure. so we have, you know, I always keep a big whiteboard nearby, uh, to, you know, and your, your Google sheets and, you know, we have our set goals for every month, you know, how many clients, you know, our, our new goals are and how many we look to retain and what our show up rates are and, um, you know, we just, we use data, we use science, we use the numbers to help us set those new goals. But, um, the vision for unified, um, is to double our current clientele and max out our, our space and our time, um, the most effective way. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, here we are two years in, but it's been a, it's been a wonky 18 months in terms of the fitness industry and how we've been able to operate. And so you're, you're aware we're not done. We have plenty of potential left and, and it's going to be exciting to see the next iteration of, of what this business is for you guys as that growth starts to, to take fruition. Before we get out of here and before we wrap up, Noah, where can people find out a little bit more about Unified? Is there a website? Is there social media? Yeah, uh, so we are based out of Ohio, so you can find us uh, Unified Fitness CLE, that's for Cleveland, so unifiedfitnesscle.com, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, um, my IG is I am Coach Noah, um, and yeah, that's where we're at, that's what we're about, is Love it. healthy habits, healthy lifestyle, you know. Looking to help people at the end of the day, right? What we do, man. That's what we do. Love it. No, I, I absolutely appreciate your time and, and your input in terms of this conversation, this gym owner, how can we improve what we do kind of conversation, man. I can't wait to see what the future holds and, and I wish you nothing but the best. All right. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate that. It means a lot. Absolutely. And so to everyone who tuned in, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like, and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Words Podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to fitness pros, business owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, Sheena Temple, owner of High Desert Fitness and 760 Fitness in Ridgecrest, California. Sheena, how are you doing today? I'm awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. You are awesome. You're right. I already got that impression of you too. So I'm excited. Let's jump right into this. Um, Give us the general scoop. You had two businesses there in the same town of Ridgecrest, two different models, both changing lives. Let me know what they're all about. Yes, exactly. So High Desert Fitness, I started back in 2010, just a small little spot. I had a passion for helping people. Never thought it was going to grow the way that it did. I was just excited and I kind of just ran with it. Uh, every opportunity I just said yes to, and I kind of burnt myself out for a little bit and I had to rein myself back in. And it's just been a process over, over the 11 years. Um, but the personal training and the small group and the family atmosphere is what we focus on at high desert. And I really loved that. And then the opportunity came last year to open a large gym facility. And that was new to me. I said yes to that that challenge and it's been pretty awesome running a, a large our mission is offering a large-scale open gym facility with a heart for people and so that's what we're doing with that yeah i like that tagline that's uh it's almost like a mission statement in a slogan a model all wrapped up into one right? yes so 10 years of running your personal training studio couple of iterations your that space is is on the larger side for that type of studio if we go by national average right about right. 3500 square feet mm -hmm. it's actually yeah. former anytime fitness oh where we wow. are yeah. well what the heck you're an opportunist right yeah. you know these I, I, apparently so i just i just thought about that when i said that out loud <laughs> so in in that facility um how many clients are you servicing how many trainers do you have there roughly right we have about 150 clients and that's based on between the small group memberships who come just for our small group classes mm -hmm. we do yoga boot camp you know weightlifting and then the rest are one-on-one -on -one personal training clients that we focus on okay um, and how many staff yeah. do you have there oh sorry you did ask me that okay we have 
ooh, is it nine now? I believe we have nine instructors and personal trainers. So most of them are full-time. Okay, so basically over the last 10 years, you've built up a considerable size business. You know, when we go by averages, you know, it's, you know, you're not a, a struggling 10 year in 30 client, two trainer, you know, business who's just trying to get by like on the surface to, to the extent that we can go here, looks like a comfortable, successful facility. You're, you're pretty set up there. Right. And then, you know, right in your, almost literally in your backyard, you've had this other big box gym that was a good compliment, right? It was one of those things where you realize that you, you have two different types of fitness. There's plenty of room for both of us. You're doing your right. thing. They're doing theirs. They close. And then, <laughs> yes. you know, through a, a series of events, it comes across your desk that there's an opportunity for a partnership to open another gym because you had already said it, right? There's room in this town for two different types of gyms. Both can be successful enough. You know, I, I don't know why the other one closed. There's, you know, we don't want to get into that too much, but so you said, yeah, I do think there's a need for this in town. I do think there's an opportunity to be successful, but you turned down a, a partnership in lieu of something that looked more like a pre-sale or um, basically a leg up from somebody yeah. you had a relationship with. So Correct. what kind of went into your decision-making process? And you don't have to name who that, who that was or anything like that, but really more just about, you know, uh, there's a lot of pros to partnership, investment risk, things like that, but it pulls away some of the decision-making process. So how did you know that you were comfortable enough to go into it without a partner that you could make it work on your own? Um, what was kind of your headspace there and your thought process for not taking right. that opportunity? So this potential partner had also a board of directors and they needed to know everything. I had to be absolutely prepared when speaking with them as far as the numbers, the business plan, the projections. And after speaking to other people in the industry and learning what I could expect, because I really had no idea the numbers that could be pulled in the commercial gym setting. So mm -hmm. after I learned that, also being confident in the relationship that we built with the community in our town and all of our clients, it's a small tight knit community. That's when I said, we would have to do really terribly <laughs> to fail this. It just seemed like a no-brainer after looking at all the numbers and pulling in our resources, our relationships, and the information that I have learned throughout the 10 years. I just was sort of baking on that and it was a risk, but I felt like it was a very calculated risk to do it on our own. And ultimately, their vision and their thoughts did not align with mine. And I said, I was not interested in doing this if I didn't feel comfortable with what we were going to be producing and comfortable that I wouldn't have the last day. So call me a control freak, but <laughs> I'm just being honest. That's why I don't want a job. I don't want to answer to anybody. Yeah. So run that, um, that, that business motto that you have. 4760 by me again. How do you describe it? Um, 
a large oh, our, facility. Oh, our, our mission statement. Yes, a large, a large, a large scale gym facility with a heart for people. And and that basically comes full circle to something that you can't have when you have a board of directors and investment and something Absolutely. that comes a lot with the larger commercial gyms and, and, you know, whatever it may be. And their business model is fine, but it's a, a profit driven bottom line driven business that just happens to require people to come in to work versus what you're going for. Uh-huh. 100%. So you, you were able to negotiate um, some prepayment for a large chunk of members. So that was probably yeah. a win in helping. But other than that, you've got freedom, you've got last decision, you can have the, the facility, have the personality that you want it to. Correct. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So the first thing that I'd be interested in in seeing, because we do see, um, you know, entrepreneurs get entrepreneurial bugs and entrepreneurial ADD and all these other ideas. And I mean, it's, it's natural to think sometimes like, hey, I've done this in a small scale personal training gym personal training can be a big revenue stream in a bigger gym. Maybe if an opportunity comes up, I'd like to own a bigger gym or start one. So my, my biggest curiosity there is what skills primarily do you think transferred the best over to 760 in the bigger scale? And what were the immediate things that you realized you needed to up your game with or, or get some parallel knowledge in running that? as a, a large-scale facility? So what I've learned that I, through my experience is you absolutely have to put people first if you want to have a, a, a healthy long-term business, especially in a smaller community. Uh, um, I, I've trusted in that, and I think that's why I have success in High Desert. So that was the, my main thing about the relationships and um, continuing to grow those. And um, the thing, I had to step up my game on, man, such a huge level, <laughs> because I had a hard time delegating to the level that I had to with 760, and I've really learned that I have to put most of my energy in finding the right people that I can trust because I'm not into micromanaging. I don't like it when people micromanage me. I, I really like to put people in their place where I go, they're going to do their job and I don't have to stay on top of them. And with a team that large and a facility that large, I really had to um, step up my game and trust people. That's, that's what I would say is <laughs> my biggest challenge, honestly. Yeah, I mean, scaling, scaling teams, scaling leadership, mm -hmm. management tree, whatever, you know, organizational layouts that you want can can be a big, a big difference. Even if you have, you know, those eight or nine staff at your smaller facility, it's almost all one or two levels, right? It just feels yeah. like you're kind of all parallel and there was an yeah. Yeah, that so, chain of command and, and communicating who needs to speak to who on what and being very intentional with all the job descriptions, the job duties, having meetings on a regular basis, communication, communication is uh, a struggle and always can be improved with a larger space and a larger uh, team. So that would also be another one. 
Yeah. Um, but the base level of people skills has to be there that the relationships you've, as you said, it's people first and then, mm -hmm. you know, figure out how to show them enough value that they'll exchange for money. And then you grow a business that way versus setting a target and just how do we extract dollars in reverse? Right. Cause people aren't going to care if you don't care about your people, they're not going to care about you. If you don't take the time to get to know them and what they need and uh, somewhat on a personal level, then um, there's a, they don't have that connection with you and they're not going to be motivated to help build the, the team up. So it comes down to that. Absolutely. Okay. So I want to switch focus a little bit and talk about um, the difference in what looks like marketing and sales. And, and I always feel like the two are tied into each other pretty strongly between your um, between high desert, the smaller, you know, personal training, small group facility, and then um, 760. How do those differ and how are they similar? I mean, they're both obviously people coming in wanting to make a change in their life, but do you market them differently? Do you, do you look at the sales process differently? Like how do you compare and contrast those two? Completely different because with the personal training studio, it was people who didn't want the gym environment. People didn't, they either, A, they didn't feel comfortable in there. They felt lost in there, uh, intimidated. A lot of the normal things that people, you know, feel when they first walk in, but they weren't just, they were just not, that was not their environment. They had value on someone's time who is educated in getting them to where they want to be. And so we have a different clientele base, people who think of their uh, health and fitness as an investment. So you have a little bit more of established, a little older. So 45 to 65 is actually our demographic and 90% women at our personal training studio. And then you look at the demographics for our gym facility and it's 57% men. And it's a younger crowd. Their average age is 31, I believe. And so that's a completely different market to gear our marketing efforts towards. And the personal training, it's capturing that comfortable, it's a private environment. You don't have to think about it. You just have to show up and we'll take care of the rest kind of thing. And a, and a highlight on the relationships that they build. It's a small community of, of small uh, group, small groupers and they become friends, they know each other. If they have health concerns or family concerns, they talk to each other about it. You know, they're genuinely friends. And we were able to create that in a smaller environment. The big gym environment, we're trying to attract the younger vibe it be, you know, it's the cool place to be, you know, way more visible on Instagram and, and things like that. Um, and also motivation. So we highlight a lot of our clients, the strong women, the strong men, and because it's a small town, most likely someone watching it's going to know somebody in that video and go, Hey, if they can do it, I can do it too. And I want to go do that at 760, you know, so it's just a, it's really a completely different clientele. So it's a completely different field of marketing that we're trying to do. 
Hopefully that answered your question. <laughs> sure, sure did. Absolutely. Um, so in the two facilities, either one, you're generally, you have somebody, once they find their way in your doors, they're looking to make some type of change in their life, right? I know it's, it's different demographics. It's different, um, maybe even different desired outcomes sometimes, but the basis comes in. Nobody just is like, boy, I'm bored. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to join a gym. It's, it's solving some type of problem for them. So you have people come in, they say, Sheena, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking to make a change. Do both facilities for you, do both situations warrant um, a consultation, a goal setting, some sort of assessment? And then from there, is it, you know, at, at high desert, you're either going to get personal training or small group, but at 760, you could get personal training, you could get group, but hey, if you want a more hands-off, um, you know, you have your kind of self-service gym membership. Is that really the only difference in the execution is having another level of service? Or do you find that even the consultations and conversations are very different? Yes, the consultation is a huge part of what we do at High Desert. And we will spend an hour with somebody, whether they're going to buy from us or not, because it is about really diving into what that person needs. And we have the luxury of doing that because it's such, such a small scale compared to the open gym. So we spend time and, and just suggest to them based on listening, mostly listening, not talking at them, not selling them, listening. What are you saying you need? Why are you saying you can't do it on your own? You know, what are your concerns? What have you tried in the past? Why hasn't it worked for you? What are your obstacles? Listening and then coming up with a solution, giving them a solution. And then most of the time they go, that sounds awesome. Let's go for it. And then they feel heard and listened to and supported from day one. At the large scale gym, I wish we had the capacity to have that much time with every single potential member. But what it looks like is they come in, we give them a tour, we answer any questions, ask them, you know, figure out if they're an avid lifter, then you focus on that area of the gym. If they have kids, you would really highlight the kids club that we have and show them the classes that, that are at the time that the kids clubs open, things like that. And then every single new member is told that they get a free one hour personal training session so that if they have any questions, if they, if they need guidance, that they have that resource open for them. Now they don't get an hour long consultation like they do at High Desert. They have a whole long consultation form and health history form that we have them fill out before the trainer even meets with them. So that's already out of the way. And then that kind of gives them a little commitment. You know, I've taken the time to fill this all out. I, I have some sort of commitment in this as well. And then they spend the time with the trainer, those who choose to use it. And then they'll, they're able to use our facilities in a more effective way. I wish we can get more people to be on board for, with that just because I feel like that's such a powerful tool to show your clients or customers how to use your services most effectively. So that's something that we're working on. Awesome. And I think the last topic that I think we can spend a couple of minutes on that I wanted to um, dive into a little bit and I know that, um, you know, I, I don't know if we gave a fr frame of reference, but soft opening for 760 
was the end of August. So it's only it's only been open a few months. So as we talk about these things that may or may not be in place yet, um, it's new. There's a lot of room to do a lot of things. But we talked a little bit before the podcast where you have about 25% of your clientele at High Desert who are in your small group or personal training program that are also um, have taken on memberships uh, on a sliding scale, some type of, um, you know, dual membership discount. The other thing that I thought there that stood out to me is, do you have, have you found, or do you think that there's room in there to turn that into um a referral base or family plans. You know, I know you said you're mostly women at High Desert. So let's say mom comes to High Desert and she says, hey, you know, I'd really like, you know, my teenagers to be active or my husband wants to do something, but he's not really into personal training. Like, are there organic conversations or maybe even the beginning of any structures towards like, hey, you know, by the way, like, I think this program at 760 would be good. Like, what kind of synergies are there there um, or or have you thought about putting in place? Yes, so that is something I'm working on cleaning up because I often get those conversations when I'm here at High Desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually have kept a couple clients. I still have a couple clients here. People are like, why are you still doing that? Well, I love it. And, but that it gives people the opportunity to also have a time to, to bring their ideas to me, their questions and things like that. And yes, so they say, hey, you know, so-and-so, my my uh, spouse or whatever, they're interested in gym membership, how do we get started with that? So people know that we are tied together, but we are still very separate businesses so that the finances are, are separate. So we can't, and we've thought about having 760 purchase HDF, High Desert Fitness, so that was a little bit more fluid because I think sometimes people still have a hard time wrapping their mind around, wait, you're the owner here and you're on the, why do you have different systems? Why, why can't I pay for um, my, my son to have a gym membership here with you guys? I have the card on file kind of thing. So I'm trying to streamline that a little bit more, but so just using the opportunity to uh, advertise each service would be would be good. And so far, we've only used High Desert Fitness to advertise 760, and we don't use 760 to advertise High Desert Fitness because we now have personal training services over there and group fitness over there. So it's getting a little complicated. Uh, and that was just based on people what people wanted. Mm-hmm. Originally, I said, we're not going to have personal training at the big gym. Why would we? Um, but people kept asking because, again, it's about the environment and the feel. Some people wanted personal training, but only in a big gym. And because we've been around so long at High Desert, we don't have the capacity to grow in the in the way that 760 has given us the opportunity to. So... I know I didn't really answer that question because I'm still 100% figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, okay. 100% answered it. The awareness of an opportunity is always the biggest, the biggest thing, right? It's like people are either open-minded or closed-minded when it comes to these things. And it's, it's clear that 
as I said, and I qualified it for that reason, it's only been open for, you know, five months. So it's not yeah. one of, you know, Rome was not built in a day. So we're right. going give to you, give you a little while, but just knowing like, hey, there's some opportunity there. These conversations are happening. I do need to figure out a way to have a structure so that it can be like, here's a process because the conversations that happen organically almost never lead to action by somebody. But once you have, you're like, oh yeah, we can do this, you know, go to this part of our website. It's all there for you. It's laid out. I'll see, I'll see your son next Thursday. Great. Whatever the case may be, at least having, Mm -hmm. having a process or, you know, go see, I don't know. I know you have a general manager in place, you know, at 760. So like, hey, we totally do have a program. It's this, you know, I'll I'll shoot a text over to Bob and Bob will know you're coming. And where are we That's, going? Yeah. And that actually happens quite often. I ha- I'll have someone say, oh, you know, hey, I also wanted to sign up for 760. How do I do that? And I'll say, oh, well, you know, Paris, her, that's our general manager. I'll let her know that she you're headed that way. And she'll be expecting you. So, um, yeah, but that a way to streamline that and just outside of just me doing it would yeah. be great. Yeah. That's, yeah, there's only so much you to go around, right? You can't. Yeah, I have young kids. I have young kids. I still have a couple clients. I still teach classes for Parkinson's. I love it. Um, but then trying to help manage two businesses and have time for myself and my family is um, an interesting thing to juggle. <laughs> I'm sure for certain. Well, Sheena, we are just about out of time here. Um, before we let you go, where can people find High Desert? Where can they find 760? Uh, where can they find you? Anybody looking to reach out, pick your brain about business, or maybe there's somebody that may be relocating to the area. Um, hey, you know, they yeah. like that desert life, whatever it is. If someone's looking for you, where can they find you? Yeah, awesome. So we are on Instagram, 760fitness. And we have a Facebook page as well. Our website is 760fitness.com. And all of our information is there. My direct email is support at 760fitness.com. I would love to hear. Yeah, I love uh, networking and hearing from people. And like I said, I live in the middle of the desert. So I don't get to talk business very often with fellow uh, fitness. Yeah, so it's awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for your time. It's been great having you, Sheena. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. And to everyone out there listening, as always, thank you for being here with us. We appreciate your time. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. If you'd like to hear more, hit the subscribe button. To everyone out there in Jim Lords Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives, keep kicking ass. Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.